Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Out of the Blue, the only podcast that keeps lawyers on retainer in case of a good old-fashioned case of slander. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is my hetero life mate, Andy Bailey, also of maizeandbrew.com. We are back with you after a long week off of not a lot of sports going on, but things are starting to kick into gear. The NFL draft is this week. The NBA playoffs are, are off and running. Spring game is in the books, and we're here to talk some sports. How you feeling over there, Andy? Feeling good, brother. NFL Draft, Avengers Week. Let's do it. Ooh, man, Avengers. I cannot wait. We're going to talk a little Avengers uh, today, but but first we're going to talk uh, some football because that is what we do. The NFL Draft, I love it. Uh, perfect marriage of college and NFL. I think, uh, I don't know why I'm such a big draft guy. I think I like it more than the actual NFL, but uh, we've got a big one coming up. Could be a couple Wolverines going in the first round. What are you thinking about this draft? Who do, who do you like going first for the Wolverines? How do you kind of rank the Wolverine prospects? Um, lot to unpack there. Um, several really good Wolverines. I think we could see four gone in the first two rounds. I highly anticipate that. And um, for me, it seems to be a theme this week um, emerging that Devin Bush is the consensus best Wolverine. I've seen high as high as top five. I've seen as low as Steelers in the 20s. So I definitely think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, somewhere around like 8 to 13, 8 to 15 for Devin Bush, but he'll be the first off. And if I had to rank them of where I think who's going to be the best, I would go Devin Bush. I would go Chase Winovich. I would go Rashawn Gary, David Long, Karan Higdon. Thoughts? Uh, I, I agree with that order. The only one I might consider is David Long's a bit of a wild card. He's been shooting up draft boards. He's now looking like a round two, I wouldn't say lock, but pretty high certainty that he goes in round two. And I mean, a six foot, uh, cover corner that can just stick to your hip. Uh, his, his measurables were excellent at the combine. Uh, the tape really doesn't show a ton because nobody really tried him, but when they did further than 20 yards down the field, the guy just doesn't give up completions. I could see David Long end up being a really good corner, but it's really hard to judge corner, so I really like that order right there. Devin Bush is definitely number one for me. Gary's another wild card, too. If he lives up to his potential, I mean, he's got the highest ceiling of these guys, but as of right now, I like Devin Bush as being an instant impact NFL guy. Yeah, he's a guy that can just shift the culture, shift the locker room. <clears throat> Don Brown had nothing but outstanding comments for him on and off the field. Um, former uh, NFL executive Lewis Riddick thinks he's the best player in the draft. Um, just everything is positive for Devin Bush. And uh, for Chase Winovich, for me, man, ever since this began, I was surprised he started out so low on boards, but he's been quickly rising with his outstanding combine for his size. His game tape just strengthens everything. I feel like the opposite of Rashawn Gary. His game tape is just electric. I mean, he's more than just a high-motor type of guy. He's got skill. He's got moves. 
um, another guy that can be a really positive in the locker room. So I think someone that can get him, he could go as early as late first round, but it's looking like he might be towards the very early end of the second round. Yeah, I don't see him getting out of the second round. I'm starting to think David Long doesn't either just because he's too intriguing of a prospect. Um, all the measurables are there. The tape is there. Everything lines up. He comes from a good school. I mean, he, he did pretty well against Ohio State of all of our corners. He wasn't getting roasted in the times that he did get beat. I think it was more scheme than David Long. Um, and he's a guy that I think uh, could be a really good fit on a team as well. Where do you think the best possible fit for some of those guys are somewhere in the range where they might get picked. I mean, with Karan and David Long and those guys, it's it's very difficult to say because who knows when they'll get picked. But maybe for Devin and Gary and Winovich, where, where, where would you like to see him go? Um, it's a good question. I think scheme is important, but I also think a lot of these players are versatile, like Devin Bush is versatile, um, Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, David Long are all very versatile players. So it's not super dependent on that, per se, for this exercise. But for me, I always tend to avoid uh, unstable organizations like uh, the Raiders, Redskins, Giants. Certain organizations like that can really throw a damper in development and everything else and just culture in general. Um, so I think those are ones to steer away from. And then and then you can go with like teams that have like an established set culture that are like, trending upward. Like the 49ers have a high pick. But everything there seems to be going in the right direction. I think their culture is very strong. I think the culture, obviously, the model is New England. Everybody wants that model. Uh, the Rams is very strong. I think the Chargers, the Colts, the Eagles, all those are good. Uh, teams like the Texans are really only a concern for players like Karan Higdon because their offensive line was so porous at one time this last season. Their quarterback couldn't fly on airplanes because of fear of death, because of internal injuries. So that's obviously a fear for Higdon. But for everybody else, I think it's just those unstable organizations. Yeah, being unable to board a plane due to uh, a hemorrhaging spleen is usually a red flag for an offensive line. So I'm yeah. going <laughs> to have to agree with that. And that's a very good point. Um, you know, you can't guarantee they'll all go to functional organizations, uh, but that would definitely be great. For for Devin Bush, I really love him at 10 to the Denver Broncos, and we, we had our own draft, and I didn't take him at 10. I took Devin White ahead, and you still haven't let me live it down. Um, but I think he would he would be a great fit there with, uh, with Vic Fangio. Uh, Devin Bush at... At 11 to Cincinnati, not an organization that I'm really a fan of, but he's a guy that could come in and take over for that role Vontez Perfect had, um, except he probably won't you know, poison people after the game. Uh, so I would really like that. Rashawn Gary, I could really see the Seahawks now have two picks. I think Rashawn Gary could come in and kind of fill in for Frank Clark, honestly. He's kind of a Michael Bennett-esque player um, if, he, if he hits and he lives up to his potential. Obviously, that, that goes the same for all of these guys. Uh, Winovich just seems like a Patriot. That would make a ton of sense. Winovich could fit in a lot of places, honestly, because he could play a, a hybrid end or he could play like a, a linebacker, a weak side defensive end kind of thing. He could make, move around a little bit, um, but scheme's going to be important for him. I would love to see Winovich on the Lions um, to see what Matt Patricia could do with him. That would really that'd be awesome in the second round. Patriots, like I said, uh, Steelers would make a lot of sense. Uh, something like that. David Long, I think that, that's a tough one to pick. Just somewhere that needs a cornerback, which is everywhere. I think he just needs a chance to start and, and you know make a name for himself. 
Yeah, I'm completely with you, man. And um, I think Devin Bush is the only one where it really doesn't matter that much, even at all. Like, I think he could go to a completely unstable organization. He's the kind of player that can change that. He's intelligent enough where bad coaching isn't going to, like, be the end of him, where I think Rashawn Gary needs good coaching. I think Devin Bush has the highest IQ of maybe anybody in the draft. And uh, even if he went to a team like the Raiders, paired up with Vontez Perfect now there, I think he could just excel there. He could be not Khalil Max or different types of players, but he could have that type of impact in the locker room. Yeah, vastly different players. My player comp for him is Bob Sanders or Troy Polamalu. It's not a linebacker. I love that you compare him to safeties. If it was going to be like a linebacker, it's been a while since I've watched like Patrick Willis tape. He doesn't have the size of Patrick Willis, but he kind of plays the same kind of aggressive aggressive style. So he's just he's hard to comp at the linebacker position because of his size. Very different. Ray Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis was undersized. I mean, that's the obvious comp. But it's like, man, I really want to compare Devin Bush to a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever play the position. Like, it's tough saying that, and sometimes a player doesn't have a comp. And I think in Devin Bush's case, that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, Ray Lewis's shoulders are thicker than an engine block, so I, I don't know if that's a yeah. good comparison. He His body type is closer to like a Bob Sander or a Troy Polamalu. A little bit, little bit bulkier than Polamalu, but he can't really, his frame doesn't have a lot of room to get much bigger than Bush is currently. Um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, Maurice Hurst, a guy that, I think is one of the most talented guys we've sent to the draft in a while, went to the Raiders, and he still excelled. So you can excel on a bad team. And as bad as the Raiders are, this could work for them. So um, yeah, yeah. Everything this year could change for the I mean, the Raiders. Like if they have a good draft on Thursday, yeah. I mean, that, that swings everything. And uh, you brought up Mo Hurst. Uh, question for you. Uh, rank the Wolverines, or just give me your, your top that are from the Harbaugh era that are currently in the NFL. Just hmm. who stands out to you the most? Hmm. Good, good, good. That gives us, what, some guys like Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley, a couple receivers are in there. Uh, Jared Wilson. Jared Wilson. Uh, Darbo. Glasgow uh, Brothers. Tacho. Both Glasgow's, right? He got a year yep. for Ryan Glasgow. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to go. My number one is probably going to be Mo Hurst. Um, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but he had a couple sacks, like four sacks from the defensive tackle position and 20-something tackles. He was like close to their leading sack guy. Um, and that's as a rookie from the fifth round on the Raiders. Um, so I think Mo Hurst, I mean, his ceiling's incredibly high. After that, Graham Glasgow, I'm a Lions fan. He started a ton for the Lions. I'd probably go him at two. And then it's probably between Peppers and Mason Cole. So some combination of Peppers and Mason Cole. Peppers, I mean, he's played a lot, so he probably has, I mean, you don't get stats as an offensive lineman. But Peppers' stats aren't what you would hope they would be um, for for kind of where he was taken as a first-rounder and his level of talent. So, yeah, that's my top three and a half, four right there. What about you? Very good. Mine's uh, really similar. Um I think it has to be Mohurst at one. Uh, I got his stats up. He finished last year, only uh, appeared in 13 games, uh, started 10, finished with 31 tackles, four sacks, one forced fumble, um, just, I mean, all over the field. A rookie from the interior playing on this line where he came in the fifth round with his heart problems that seemingly really really quickly went away, you know? Yeah, so what a steal. It's quickly. It's funny to me how fast those change. Um, 
Second for me would be Glasgow, consistently starting there in Detroit. Uh, his brother would be on here, but he's battled some injury issues yeah, recently. He looks, he looks good as a pro, though, Ryan Glasgow, if he can come back. Yeah, exactly. I think he'd come back and be good. Uh, three for me, it's Peppers. He uh, started every game last year, had an intercept, uh, interception, a bunch of tackles, uh, 12th-ranked defense in DVOA last year. So I think that's got to count for something. Uh, Mason Cole, I, I'm with you, is four. Just because the sample size is sadly small. Mason Cole started 16 games last year with the worst offensive line in football, and that puts him fourth. I mean, Chris Wormley, not a consistent starter. Uh, Taco Charlton, Jordan Lewis, definitely not. Uh, Jared Wilson, DeMonte Thomas. Like, There's been an underwhelming performance so far for uh, hardball guys in the NFL. If you just do it by expectation, Hell, Jake Rudock just lasting NFL this long is a win. Yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, ben Gideon, he's been playing for the Vikings, hasn't he? What are his stats looking like? That's a good one to look up. Yeah. You got him? I got Ben Gideon. What about Jared Wilson and, and uh, Delano Hill? Those are the other only other ones that I can think of that have really been starting. Delano Hill hasn't done much. Uh, Delano Hill hasn't done really anything. He uh, started in two games. Uh that's why well, he started two games but he appeared in 13 and uh, he had some he had some tackles uh two tackles for loss and uh, fumble recovery but no nothing to blow you away there uh jared wilson about the same yeah. appeared in a lot uh, racked up some tackles didn't start a ton um uh, played in several though it got re-signed to a second contract which says enough for him though he uh he started two games appeared in 16 uh, comparable numbers to uh, delano hill but, uh, no, man, nothing too much there. They've produced more than Jordan Lewis, though, which is man. neither of us predicted. No, I really thought Jordan Lewis would stick. And he still could. Uh, this yep. will only be year three that he's going into here. Uh, some guys jumped him on the depth chart. Uh, but he looked. I mean, he showed flashes. So Jordan Lewis is a guy I really want to see excel. He's one of my favorite Wolverines. Ben Gideon had 51 total tackles last year, uh, 36 as a rookie. So, improving playing with the Vikings definitely not going to be a guy I don't see him taking some absurd like Clay Matthews leap anytime soon but he's still holding down a roster spot yeah yeah he's still holding on to it man it's not not bad at all yeah that's a guy that really gets forgotten about Ben Gideon but he was solid I, I, he, who was starting over him I just kept clamoring for every time Ben Gideon came in, he would do something good. I forget who was starting over Ben Joe Gideon. Joe Bolden. I think it was. I think God, it was, I, I, think I it was, was not a Joe Bolden fan. I think it was Joe Bolden into Ben Gideon, and I was just like, isn't Ben Gideon just like a slightly better version of Joe Bolden? <laughs> but yeah, Ben I, I Gideon like, was a lot better version. Yeah, whatever happened to uh, the Ryan, Jake Ryan? Jake Ryan, one of my favorite players in 2011. Uh, he had... I think he's had two knee injuries. Yeah, he plays for Jacksonville now. Yep, he was on Green Bay, showed some flashes, lost a ton. He's such a bummer because after his ACL, he did not come back the same player. He played like just a wild man before that ACL, and he was going to end up being like a Bosa-like player, but just never came back from that, that ACL tear the same. I think he missed last season, but in 2017 with the Packers, he's now a Jaguar, by the way. He had 81 tackles and a sack. That's not bad. I mean, yeah, but he's not a Harbaugh era guy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He uh, he left the, just the year before Harbaugh. Yeah, but Jake Ryan, man, talk about a, a woulda, coulda, shoulda. What's the biggest what if you can think of? Uh, you know, the last, 
you know, let's go 12 years. And there's a reason we go 12 years. We're going to kind of start talking about a 12-year period here. Who's the biggest what-if uh, on the Michigan Wolverines that you can think of? Like a guy that you were so sure was going to be a star. Oh, man. I'll give you, I'll give you one to, to give you a minute to, to think. Well, I'll give you two. Uh, Will Campbell and Devin, Car- Devin Gardner. Devin Gardner is a great one because we've, we've discussed this off air several times about just how good he could have been with like working with Jim Harbaugh. Like if, I think he would have just been consistently what we saw in the Notre Dame games, man, just putting up crazy stats on like through the air, on the ground, decisive, accurate. But instead we got the, uh, the, the Hoke era mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah, that is unfortunate. We've both been extremely high on Devin Gardner. Why can I not say his name? Devin Gardner's potential. Will Campbell was another five-star that came in, and we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for him to hit. Um, There's been a couple O-linemen, like Kyle Kalis, that you just kept waiting. Patrick Kugler um, came in. He was like a four-star. He was the highest-rated center, I think, Patrick Kugler was. Yeah. And just never really came to fruition, kept waiting. I was so high on him. Derek Green was a guy that we just kept waiting and waiting on. Never happened. Um, Kareem Hunt. What was it? No, Kareem Walker. No, Kareem Walker. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple. For me, uh, what if a guy I waited on for a long time, not even a long time before he transferred, was Sam McGuffey with all the highlight tapes. Man. Clips. There's a deep cut. Deep uh, cut. God, was I high on Sam McGuffey. Oh, and Tate Forcier. We could have won games with McGuffey and Forcier. I don't care what anyone says. I know those two, man. Um, another one is, what if Jake Rudock spent his whole career at Michigan or with whole career with Harbaugh? Yeah, that is a, that is quite a what if. Um, or if he had another year of eligibility and we didn't have to have that O'Corn spate here. Oh, God. I blocked that out. Why'd you bring that up? Well, I'm I'm afraid that I, we must be reminded of our past or else we're doomed to repeat them. I feel like the greatest what if that has to be just not just like player wise, but moment wise, it just has to be the spot in the Ohio State game, right? Like, oh, what yeah. if that wasn't short? Like, yeah, I mean, if we get the spot, we win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that that's not really game. much of a what if. Like, it, that's pretty clear. <laughs> Puts him in the Big Ten championship, but I wonder how much that just changes everything around the program. Oh like, yeah, roots. Yeah, everything. You as, know, as far as far-reaching effects, I, yep. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, who knows what recruits we land. Like, if we go on to make a, a Big Ten win and we go on, I think we would have won the Big Ten. Yeah. And then that means we would have been in the playoff. Uh, I don't know how far we would have made it in the playoff. Probably not very, but. There's always there's always there's so many like, questions like that. You think, like, what if Karan Higdon had got more carries early in his career? Because, like, every time he came in the game, he seemingly get, you know, eight, nine yards and then get buried in the depth chart behind people like Ty Isaac for whatever reason. Uh, what if Thomas Rawls got the carries he deserved in 2012? Ooh, there's a good what-if <laughs> prospect. Just, like, what if, you know, like 2015, what if they don't drop the punt? Like, Man, off-season is for what-ifs, and what a futile and, and harmful exercise that is. It really is. Like, it hurts <laughs> so much. Like, it can go the other way, though. Like, what if Brady Hoke didn't beat uh, Ohio State that first year? How is how quickly is he gone? Yeah. Did we get our ball? Yeah. I just rewatched uh, the other night because I was feeling, uh, I don't know, nostalgic, I guess. Uh, Michigan from Michigan, Michigan State last year. And man, we had a lot of lucky breaks go our way. Like, yeah. what if all the breaks in that game don't go our way and we lose to Michigan State and then get blown out by Ohio State? Is Harbaugh on the hot seat this year? 
If we got yeah. beat by Michigan State and then blown out by Ohio State and then blown out in a bowl game, what is the noise like around him there? Because a lot had to go our way against Michigan State last year. Yeah. And uh, they were awful. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that helped us. on the hot seat, but we are definitely in the end game now. Segway. Uh, Perfectly <laughs> played. This move right now is in direct response to Jim Harbaugh facing his own personal version of hell and Thanos, which has been Ohio State. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. And that's going to transition us into our next discussion uh, about the Avengers, which is coming out this week and kind of the 12 year timeline and the culmination of all those events. And we're going to take a look at that, compare it to the last 12 years of Michigan. But we'll be back right after this. Okay, and we are back. This is Out of the Blue. We are talking a little bit of football in the middle of, I guess not the middle, the end of April, uh, near the beginning of May. Perhaps the most depressing time for sports, but we uh, we do have the draft coming up, and that'll be on Thursday. Uh, this will post on Thursday, and we did our own version. Uh, it was meant to be a video. Rest in peace. It will no longer be a video. It has succumbed to technological difficulties, and uh, the fact that I have finals going on and do not want to spend another 12 hours editing video. <laughs> it's very understandable, sir. 12 hours editing video for this, which was, I mean, superb video of our beautiful, Such you know, sometimes video. beautiful faces. Yeah, I mean, we definitely more have faces for radio, but at the same time, like, I mean, people don't cower in fear when we go out in public. No, Paul Feinbaum has a face for radio, and he's all over the TV. Look at that man. That man looks like he should be guarding the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, but yet, there he is talking about football. Certainly he didn't play it. Yeah, he just looks like the like deceptive right-hand man of a supervillain that gets killed in the movie. Yeah, it kind of looks like the lawyer in Jurassic Park that gets eaten on the toilet. Very much so. That wringing his hands together, laughing like the creature yep. that sits on Jabba the Hutt's lap. <laughs> it's exactly who it is. That's Paul Feinbaum. Um, and that's just, that's based on science. That's not even our opinions. But <laughs> that being said, we did uh, we did a mock draft. You know, everyone else gets their chance to be incredibly wrong. We wanted ours. And even since we've made this, I think that a lot has changed. Um, but we're going to run through our mock draft, the way that we did it. Dueling mock draft. He took the odds. I took the evens. Uh, we were allowed trades, but the trades had to be approved by the other person. Either way, if you wanted to trade with your own another team that you were representing, had it to be, had to be approved. And... Uh, yeah, so we did this exercise. Uh, we'll probably try and do it again next year. Like I said, the video was a bit ambitious in finals week, birthday week, Red Rocks. There's a lot going on, man. I don't feel too bad about it, but nonetheless. Sometimes life gets in the way, and sometimes you got to let it. <laughs> God, you're wise. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, you were pick number one. Kind of walk me through your pick. Uh, easy, man. This is, I mean... Almost guarantee this pick. I still kind of do. Ignore the smoke screens. Mm. Arizona Cardinals go with Kyler Murray. Rebuild the culture. Start fresh. And what we did in our draft scenario with our trades is uh, traded Josh Rosen to the New York Giants for some future picks. Yeah, I think it was a second rounder and like a future fifth rounder. Something like that. Something like that. And like a, yeah, second this year. Something like that. Yeah, and then you got a six round back, I think is what it was. And yeah, I think that'll be the pick. I think with Cliff Kingsbury there, you got to go get his guy. You can still get something for Rosen. Um, and, you know, if you get a second round pick out of that, you don't really end up that, that bad in the situation. If he's your guy, go get him. Uh, at number two, San Francisco, I took Nick Bosa. 
Um, if Kyler Murray goes one and Nick Bose is there, I believe they're going to take him. They could look to trade down here for a team that's very desperate for a quarterback. Not a great quarterback market. I wouldn't do it. Um, so I wouldn't offer much, which means San Francisco likely stays put and gets Bosa. Yeah, I think Nick Bosa's head and shoulders the best player in the draft. You pair Bosa with DeForest Buckner, with D. Ford, Quan uh, Alexander, front seven's fierce. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's building something special in San Francisco. So just watch out for, you know, George Kittle, who might be one of the most likable people in the NFL. Yeah, I like George Kittle. I do not think Nick Bosa is the best player in the draft, though, but I respect it. He's a very strong player. Um, For me, it's probably Quinnen Williams or Josh Allen. Oh, over Bosa, huh? I'd take him. I mean, look, there's some bias because he plays for an absolutely disgusting excuse of a team. But Yes. Yeah, I, I I watched a lot of tape on Bosa, and I hate how good he is. Trust me, it pains me to say this, but it's like, you were just really good at football. He's a monster, but his brother's had some injury concerns. He's injured right now. Like, how many plays out of Nick Bosa are you going to get? Quinton Williams might be like, Quinton Williams might be like an All Pro for ten years. That kind of player. He very well could, and uh, brings me to the third pick for myself. Uh, I was picking for the New York Jets. Quinton Williams, like you said, uh, could be an All Pro for ten years. Uh, the, the leap he took this past year at Alabama. Um, everything about him just screams, like you said, perennial all-pro. I think he's a great pick. Yeah, I can't go wrong here. It'd be him or Josh Allen, whichever your flavor, if you want disruption from the inside. They do already have Leonard Williams, um, but having two having two guys in the middle, that's a real luxury, and you can build around both. I like it. Um, at four, the Raiders, if Kyler Murray goes one, I think they've got to get pass rush help here. You're looking at value with this fourth pick. Um, and Josh Allen, Josh Allen out of Kentucky's tremendous value here really gets after the quarterback. He's not Khalil Mack. Nobody is, um, but he's going to really help soften that blow. Now you got Mo Hurst, Josh Allen. There's some building blocks there in the D line in Oakland, and it's not as awful as it seems in Oakland. No, and like we said earlier, um, everything can change tonight. Like on Thursday night, like everything can be done. They nail this draft, do something for the future that's positive. But that also requires us to put a lot of faith in John Gruden, which I'm not entirely. I'm not ready for that. No, no, no one you know soberly is. Um, yeah, well, I mean, when you cut your own hair, I mean, that leads to people questioning your decisions at age 51 or yeah. whatever he is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's all the reason for concern. Them locking out their scouts, which is you know either I don't know genius or I don't know if it's just incredibly paranoid and stupid. Well, I, I think it's going to be spun one way or the other if they nail or don't nail this draft. Yeah, they paying paying Trent Brown, who's the eighth best left tackle, as the best left tackle in the history of the game. There's some question marks. Yeah, especially when he's being coached by Tom Cable now instead of Dante Scarnecchia, which is going from the best offensive line coach ever to possibly the worst. That's still <laughs> okay. Uh, fifth pick, Tampa Bay Bucks. I was on the clock. I went with Montez Sweat. A stat I saw that was really just uh, eye-popping at the Senior Bowl was Montez Sweat topped out at 19.3 miles per hour. Some advanced analytics for you. He was not only the fastest defensive lineman that day, but he was faster than more than half of all defensive backs, and no tight end came within one mile per hour of the man. Cap that with a four outstanding 40, outstanding combine, a solid production in Miss, uh, Mississippi State. That's where he's from, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
and I think he's a lock pick for the Buccaneers here. This draft's full of good pass rushers, so you can't go wrong with somebody else. But for me, it was Montez Sweat. Yeah, I don't think it's a lock because I could see this being a trade. Um, I'm predicting some wackiness the closer things get. It's just got the feeling of a wacky year. Uh, and yep. if it's going to be, this is going to be a trade spot, I think. Uh, but if not, if you're staying put, Montez Sweat, I love the pick. He and Ed Oliver put up like running back numbers as defensive linemen. It doesn't even make sense how athletic this draft is. So fine with the pick, but I think it'll be traded. Why would anybody want to be a running back in today's NFL? I don't know why you would at all. I would try and be any other position. I mean, it's glamorous at times, but... Unless you're built like Saquon Barkley, you don't want to be a running back. No, I mean, even if you are built like Saquon Parkway, I wouldn't want to be a running back because, I mean, you may be well built, but you have the same thickness of skull as the rest of us. Very true. I still don't think Saquon Barkley and us are like the same species because he's just, it doesn't make any sense. So his skull might be a little thicker. Yeah, or he was made in a lab, one of the two. Yeah, very good possibility. Uh, yeah, so for me at number six, I had to get in the mind of David Gettleman. So I did some meth and banged my head against the wall for about an hour and a half. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. In this, we traded for Josh Rosen. Someone's going to do it, and I personally would much rather give up a second-round pick for Josh Rosen than take a first on Haskins, Drew Locke, or certainly Daniel Jones. And I'm hearing rumors the Giants love Daniel Jones. Go look at Daniel Jones' statistics, career, last year, and then go watch the tape on Daniel Jones. This doesn't make any sense. Like, no, there's the Daniel been... Jones like love is just baffling to me. I baffling. don't understand it. I'm baffling. I've never been lower on a prospect. Like, if you get him in the fourth round, that's fine. First round, I mean, I don't care about the Giants, so I hope the Giants take him here. But for this, we did what we would do as GMs, and I would go get Rosen, and I'd get Jawan Taylor uh, as my right tackle out of Florida, and I'd get him to protect Rosen. He's a hell of a run blocker. That helps Saquon and your quarterback. That's the kind of move they need to make. Go get Daniel Jones. By all means, I enjoy a good laugh. Worst case scenario for them is Juwan Taylor is really good and protects Eli Manning. And I'm going to quote Dave Gettleman from five days ago. Eli Manning proved he has a lot left last year. <laughs> I can't make this up. He said that five days ago. Well, bath, sal bath salts are a hell of a thing. I don't know if you've done too many of them. but I try Not as many as Dave Gettleman, apparently. <laughs> apparently so that's not. interesting. And uh, one more question. Uh, rank your top four quarterbacks in this draft. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Ryan Finley. Um, and, and then between Ryan Finley and like Will Greer or uh, also Gardner Minshew. Yeah. It's it's tough at four. I don't know. Any one of those guys could be my four, but I feel pretty good about my, about my three. You? Top, top three is the same. Uh, Murray, Haskins. I'm, I'm getting higher on Haskins. Watching him break down coverage and stuff on the video board the other day with Dan Orlovsky, who's great on TV, by the way. Yeah, he is. Not really good on TV. And just like it just showed how intelligent um, Dwayne Haskins is. We learned firsthand how quickly he can learn defensive concepts. So I think he'll be good. I really think he'll be good. I think uh, Kyler Murray has to be the number one just because of like the outrageous season he just had. But there's a lot of questions coming up with his like ability outside of just being a good athlete and his actual love for the game. So it'll be interesting. It's, it's, everybody wants to be you know the sexy Tom Brady with all the Super Bowl rings and the Super Bowl wife, but not everybody wants to watch nine hours of film every day. And that's what those guys have to do. That's what I'm saying. If it's year three and Kyler Murray's had a concussion and a separated shoulder and he's you know five foot ten or whatever he is taking those kind of hits. 
Is he going to be like, you know what? I don't necessarily need this. I'm done. I'm going to switch over to baseball and not, you know, have 400-pound men landing on me every other play. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, people were trying to comp him to Russell Wilson, but you and I talked uh, off-air, actually, on our uh, deceased pod, that um, Russell Wilson, even when he transferred to Wisconsin, was just like a film, like, film rat, like 12-hour yeah. days at yeah. Camp Randall Stadium, just all in. And Russell Wilson now is about as tall sideways as he is vertically. Yeah. That man is T-H-I-C-C thick. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say two Qs, T-H-I-Q-Q, that kind of thick. I mean, that is, like, that is thick. And the thing is, like, people talked about Kyler Murray weighing in at the Combine, but I feel like that weight was kind of pseudo because he didn't run. And that insinuates that he packed on weight for this, a lot of water, and then he's not going to run because the brain's going to affect his 40. So I have a lot of concerns. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's not my favorite uh, quarterback draft class, but what did you do at seven with the Jags? Seven was my favorite pick of the draft. Uh, lock it in. I think this is a guarantee. He's one of my three favorite players in the whole draft. Uh, TJ Hawkinson of the Jaguars. He's a willing blocker, a versatile pass catcher and playmaker. I I think he's a can't-miss prospect. Yeah, love the pick. Loved it when you did it uh, in the video. We both said he was kind of the Quentin Nelson of this draft. Uh, you know you can get a guy that's probably going to come in and be a pro bowler, which is crazy. You don't get many of those. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is likely a pro bowler. I mean, unless injuries or we're all just incredibly wrong and watching different tape. Uh, TJ Hawkinson to the Jags. I love the pick. He's going to help him blocking and give Nick Foles a weapon. Um, at eight... This was the pick that I struggled the most with. This is the hometown Detroit Lions. And what I decided to do was trade back. Uh, Hawkinson, I had my eye on. If he'd have dropped, I'd have taken him. Um, but with him gone, I traded back with the San Diego Chargers, who looked to move up and grab Dwayne Haskins here. I also had control of the Chargers. Uh, he approved the trade, gave up my first rounder this year. Uh, what else did I give up for the Chargers? First rounder next year? Or no, second rounder this year. They didn't give up a first rounder. So they gave, yeah, they gave up their first rounder. They, they swapped first rounders, and they picked up an additional second And rounder. they picked up a second, like a fifth, yeah. something like that. So uh, that gives Detroit more in this draft, which I think is great. This is a great draft, especially the first three rounds. Uh, it's a loaded draft. They missed out on their guy, Ed Oliver. I thought long and hard about Devin White. I thought long and hard about, but it's the economical move. They're doing the Patriots thing. Yep. Smart move, man. I think Haskins is a good backup to build in. Let him sit with the clipboard for a year behind Phillip Rivers yeah. as he continues to you know, populate an entire offense with his wife. Yeah, and they uh, still have a first-round pick next year, so didn't kill him. Nope, nope. And I think the Lions will benefit from it as well, picking up some assets. Um, number nine was to me. Uh, there's Once again, there's some pass rushers everywhere else. But I went with the, uh, the athletic freak. And um, one game tape I needed to watch was uh, from a couple years ago when uh, Lamar Jackson, the year he won the Heisman, played Houston. Ed Oliver took over that game, single-handedly dominated it in a way that most defensive tackles cannot. Ed Oliver's the pick at nine. Love that pick. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, that would help Buffalo a lot. I think they'll go offense, though, to help Josh Allen. They've got to invest in him. Well, uh, they, they, they loaded up on offense in free agency. It's true. That's true. And Ed Oliver's a guy, like, if you can get a 10-year starter like Ed Oliver, I mean, he may not be Aaron Donald, but just a shade below. I like it. Uh, 10, my current hometown, Denver Broncos. Uh, this is one that I went back and forth on a lot as well, because Drew Locke was sitting there. I'm not super high on Drew Locke. Uh, what's his name? Elway has terrible luck drafting quarterbacks. 
So I went with Devin White, put him in Vic Fangio's defense, and now that defense is all of a sudden pretty loaded. You've got Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller uh, on the back end. You've got uh, Kareem Jackson, who just joined them, to go along with Chris Harris Jr. I mean, that's, that's a pretty stout Denver Broncos defense. And then you had Devin White, who's incredibly athletic. You gave me a lot of shit for taking him over Devin Bush. I was just trying not to be a homer here. Um, but I think Devin Bush is the better player. Devin White maybe is just a little bit more built for the NFL to last a little longer, but I don't even buy that, but that's the pick. Yeah, yeah my rebuttal. Judas, uh, pick 11. <laughs> Cincinnati fair. Bengals, that's all I have. Cincinnati Bengals with, uh, for this pick. Uh, Jonah Williams, add some protection for Andy Dalton, see if he has even a year left. <laughs> and then uh, Jonah Williams solidifies the defense. He's a building block moving forward. But the Bengals are a team that wouldn't surprise me if they moved up see them going after somebody big. So that's something to keep an eye on here. But for my but for my taste, I think Jonah Williams blocks everything in sight. He's a great pick to add here. I don't mind it. I think this is where Devin Bush goes. Uh, at 12, I went, I had the Packers. This was a tough one. I went DK Metcalf, who I think could easily be a bust, but athletically, physically, he's unreal. Um, and they need to get some help for Aaron Rodgers. There's no reason Aaron Rodgers should be having the kind of years that he is. Um, statistically, they're okay, but they need to. They should be a more explosive offense. DK Metcalf was the pick. Aaron Rodgers broke the uh, throwaway passes record for the, in the NFL by November of last year. Yeah, he needs. <laughs> he help. needs somebody. Where, whoever and, you get, if it's Noah Fant, they could. I mean, if I were them, I'd look to move up and get Hawkinson, but. Yeah, they need something. I mean, they have they have a horse at left tackle, but they definitely need some skill out there instead of just Devontae Adams. Uh, Metcalf, he's a stock car getting up to speed. He uh, gets up to speed faster than almost anybody I've ever seen. But the biggest question is, he broke his neck. He's had injury concerns. Hard to stay on the field. But if he can stay healthy, even with his size, like, shit, dude, put him at tight end at that, at that frame. That's what I'm saying, uh, man. He's like he has the highest athletic ceiling of anybody in the draft, but also the lowest floor. Yeah, I would say although Montez Sweat is some sort of ludicrous freak himself, so they're all made in the same lab. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thirteen for me once again going offensive line. I feel like a draft is a Rorschach test; really reveals more about yourself. Um, Cody Ford. The Dolphins are all in on the tank. This adds a building block piece while still allowing Fitzmagic to throw for you know, uh, 35 touchdowns and 34 picks. So uh, it'll be a great year in Miami, and they're going to lose a bunch of games and probably draft two of Tagliavoa next year. Yeah, love the pick. Like I said, my stepdad is a diehard Dolphins fan, so we've talked about this one a lot. This is one that I was keeping an eye on. He's all for that. I think it's the right move to play for next year or the year after that when the quarterback market is great and you're likely going to have some high picks. Play it smart and then build some assets and go after them if that's your moves and you want to have some players around him, whoever him is that comes in. Cody Ford, is he's super versatile. I like that pick a lot. Drew Locke is here. I would not take Drew Locke here if I'm the Miami Dolphins, and I believe that they will not. I believe that they are committed to tank for Tua. They understand where their roster is at right now, and it needs a lot of help. Love Cody Ford here. Yeah, he was outstanding with Oklahoma. I'll tell you one thing, man. Um... Oklahoma is churning out some athletes year in and year mm -hmm. out to the NFL. I'm going back to like Joe Mixon, uh, P. Ryan, still a rotational kind of piece, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Cody Ford, Hollywood Brown. I mean, they are churning them out at a high level. So I'm interested to see what happens to the Jalen Hurts experiment there. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think he'll succeed. But uh, at 14, I had another trade. You were not very high on the trades, but I think it's going to be a trade-heavy draft. Like I said, I had the Patriots who are loaded with draft capital. It's unbelievable the amount of draft capital they have, and it's borderline absurd. Um, I think they should use some of those picks. I mean, you can keep trading back and trading back, but this is an aging roster, and uh, the oldest position there is quarterback. So they move up and get Drew Locke. Um, and what I gave away, gave away my first round, obviously. I think I gave away a third. Do you remember what I gave away for this? You gave away a bunch on this one. It was... I gave what? away more than... Yeah, I actually gave away more than uh, San Diego you gave, did. Yeah, you gave away your 32nd pick, a second this year, a fourth this year, and a fourth next year. No, that's not too bad. Those fourth... Because I'm loaded with those third and fourth round picks, so they don't hurt as much. So it does yeah. seem like a lot. Um, so... It, it, I, I get that, but they they move up. If they like Drew Locke and he's here at 14, go get him. I don't think this pick will happen. Um, this is what I would do. I would imagine that Washington or who did I even trade with at 14? You traded Atlanta. with... Yep, Atlanta. Yeah, with Atlanta. Um, I mean, they, they would probably rather stay put um, because New England isn't coming up there. But maybe somebody else would, would look at that spot as a potential trade option. But that's what I did. Yeah, it's, I mean, whatever the Patriots do, I feel like they have to trade up because they have 12 picks and they don't have enough roster spots in the field, 12 picks. So whatever the Patriots do, it'll probably be the right decision because they're the Patriots. It'll and, work out, but I am not high on Daniel Jones, and I hear that's who they're after, and Daniel Jones is atrocious. Yeah, Drew Locks feels like Jay Cutler incarnate, but Daniel Jones feels like nobody incarnate. So. <laughs> <laughs> feels like a guy that never made it to the league incarnate. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Locke may smoke cigs on the sideline like Jay Cut, but we'll figure it out. That was dope. Um, I respected that. <laughs> pick 15, Washington, a team that's been rumored to trade up for Haskins as high as trade with the Jets. A lot. I mean, it's going to take a lot to do it, but uh, you never know what the Redskins are going to do, you know, because they signed Landon Collins to a massive deal. So maybe Dave Gettleman was ingenious in forcing them to tie up a lot of their cap to an average player. Uh they like to, I mean, who knows what they're going to do. I have no idea. But for me, it was get a pass rusher, get some help on that defense. They could go receiver here. They can go quarterback here. They need something. But I think Brian Burns is slipping to 15 here. He's got to take him up. He is electric off the edge. He's the only player Jawan Taylor allowed a sack to all season in Florida, and there's a reason for it. Um, he's a little rough in uh, stopping the run, but he immediately comes in and just – with his bend, athleticism, and speed, makes an impact. Yeah. If Drew Locke falls here, you think they'll grab him? Absolutely. I, I They've been rumored to move up for Haskins. They've also liked Locke. Yeah, if Drew Locke's there, they're going to take him. They might, yeah, they might flip one or two picks up just to get him. Yeah, that's why in this exercise I moved New England up. Um, but honestly, Washington would probably maybe even look to move up one. So, uh, yeah, Brian Burns, I'm fine with it. I don't see Devin Bush falling past here. No, it would be very difficult, especially with all the hype he's been getting recently. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, at pick 16, Carolina Panthers, another team I don't follow a lot, but I went and got Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, Washington State. Well-rounded, looked tough on film. Carolina Panthers do need some help on offensive uh, at offensive line, offensive tackle in particular. Uh, Dillard could potentially move inside like a lot of these guys. I was okay with the pick. Yeah, Andre Dillard, um, I saw a stat with um, most snaps at tackle in a pass setting. So not running the ball at the passing play. And, you know, some players are lower because they've only like played a year or so. Cody Ford didn't have too many. Uh, Jawan Taylor didn't have too many. Andre Dillard had more than triple 
like the next guy to like projected a first round pick. Andre Dillard is just he's faced a lot of sets. He immediately can come in and make an impact. He's a guy I think could rise on draft day. I think he could sneak into the top ten, and uh, a lot of people are very high on him. Love the pick here for the Panthers. Solidify Cam around the edges, especially when he's coming up in a contract in a few years. Yeah, I was fine with the pick, uh, but with that, we're halfway through it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll finish out the draft and get on to our Avengers discussion. Okay, and we were back. I was the 16th pick. I took Andre Dillard with the Panthers. That puts you on the clock. I'm noticing a trend that we value offensive linemen and defensive linemen in this draft, it looked like. It's an interesting way to build a team. I feel like some are building blocks, and I think a lot of teams like to get defensive linemen on the cheap because you're only on the field for 70, 80% of the snaps while secondary players are on there for about 100%, which leads me to Dave Gettleman thinking reasonably at 17. Um, no corner's been taken off the board, which I highly doubt will happen, happen in this draft, but at 17, it's Greedy Williams. I have him valued as the highest. He's not very eager in uh, run support, but he is an electric ball hawk and will immediately come in and take away a side of the field. League's predominantly a passing league, and he immediately makes the impact. Yeah, uh, I've got DeAndre Baker higher. Don't really hate on the pick. A lot of people have him number one. Giants were a team that we each drafted one for, so it was kind of interesting. Uh, I went offensive line, and he went defense. They need help at both. Uh, I'd still be okay with the picks. Even after this, the Giants are one of the worst teams in the league. But that's Yeah, yeah they need a lot more help. <laughs> than what we could give them in one round, yeah. Yep. Uh, at 18, I had the Vikings. Uh, they definitely need offensive line help. I'd be very surprised if they go elsewhere. However, uh, did they just lose Anthony Barr? I think they did. No, um, Barr, he ended up coming back. He yeah, if I was – oh, yeah, back. okay, okay. I would still take Devin Bush here. There's 0% chance Devin Bush continues his fall past this. Um, but Dalton Reisner is the pick. Kansas State can move inside, outside – Extremely versatile, like a lot of the guys here. Um, absolute character guy, high locker room guy. They need help on the offensive line. I think he'd be a staple. Yeah. Hey, man, you had a chance to take Devin Bush, have him off the board, but you didn't, Satan. So. I, Devin White was there, and everyone has him higher. And Yeah, screw everyone else. They're wrong. I agree. Right, I nice. agree. <laughs> I thought it was just your fault. Like, I haven't had every other pick. I was going to say, like, you could have picked him anywhere <laughs> along the way. Yeah, brings me to my next pick, Tennessee Titans. Uh, Klein Farrell from Clemson, not Devin Bush. Or um, Gary. Uh, <laughs> poor Sean Gary. Uh, Klein Farrell, I mean, was just uh, devastating in the national championship game. A versatile piece up front. I think he could rise as well in this draft. I think he can move up very high. Um, I think he, but I think he needs a good a good system around him because at Clemson he was very blessed to play with. Uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, those guys. So I think he needs a good system to be in. Uh, under the leadership of Mike Vrabel, the head coach, I think he comes in the Titans and finds that fit. Yep, good fit. And a guy that is rising, both he and Lawrence. Um, they're saying a lot of guys are rising. There's only so many first-round picks. It'll be very interesting. Uh, yeah. I had pick 20, and finally the fall stopped, which I hate now looking back on this because this is where everyone has him going and, and so many of the mocks. Um, but there's no way... Devin Bush would fall past 20. I don't think he'll fall to this point because there literally is Devin White and Devin Bush and then a huge drop-off in middle linebackers um, where there is not – I mean, where there is some depth on defensive and offensive line, and I think that that kind of plays out in NFL drafts. Um, you'll see, like, where there's not a lot of depth, maybe tight end and middle linebacker get grabbed up early potentially. I could see that. But if he's here, Devin Bush is the pick. They need help. Ever since the Shazier injury, this dude comes in. I mean, he'll be a captain of your defense by year two. 
Um, he flies all over the field. I've already made the player comp in this pod to Troy Polamalu, and now he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and comes in, and he'll give their defense an identity. I mean, he'll he'll be their core player for the next seven to ten years. Um, off the top of your head, can you name the next three linebacker prospects without looking it up, or does Jawan Bushel Beatty get drafted? Which is more likely to happen? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I cannot name past Mac Wilson at Alabama. So I can name David Long, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year from WVU, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as I can go in the linebacker core in this draft. Um, and Juwan Bushel Beatty, I haven't heard much rumblings there. <laughs> Um, but he improved a lot, man. He's another what if. What if he had four years under Werner? Um, yeah, I'd like yeah, to see him I get a like shot. In, in this draft, he's like a participation player, though. Like he's gonna get like a ribbon and a coke. Like you know, thanks for entering. <laughs> Here's a scone. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your scone. Have some shawarma. Um, <laughs> love the love the Steelers getting Devin Bush. They need it ever since uh, the Ryan Chazier thing happened. So uh, immediately comes and helps them out. Uh, a good presence in the locker room. The Steelers seem to be purging themselves of bad presence in the locker room, no matter what the cost. Yeah. But uh, a locker room with Devin Bush and Juju Smith-Schuster for the next five years just seems like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, pick 21, the Seahawks. Uh, they have a lot to do now. I mean, they've been making moves. Uh, they paid Russell Wilson, which is a good move. They now have the Kansas City Chiefs pick at 29, so they have some stuff to do there. Um, I went lineman. You have to protect your asset, protect your quarterback. You just paid him a lot of money because he deserves it. Russell Wilson makes up for system deficiencies and Brian Schottenheimer's ineptitude, but you need Garrett Bradbury in the interior. The best pure interior lineman in this draft out of NC State. I think uh, with Hawkinson, Garrett Bradbury was also probably my top five prospects I evaluated. I'm very high on him. Wow, yeah. He's uh, another riser. With the recent trade of Frank Clark, a Michigan guy, to Kansas City, he will be getting paid. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Would you now take Rashawn Gary here with this pick if you could redo it and then try and maybe get Bradbury with that Kansas City pick? No, Garrett Bradbury is more valuable. (laughs) Man. I'm sorry, that's that's how high I am on Bradbury. I think pass rushers are at a premium, but you don't find interior linemen like Garrett Bradbury past this point. Okay. Uh, I'm fine with it. Seahawks could hope to address pass rush later, but after Gary, I think things do fall off a little bit at pass rusher. Um, 22, I had the Baltimore Ravens, one of my favorite picks of the draft. I went A.J. Brown, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. I see a lot of Steve Smith in him. Uh, If you think Lamar Jackson can be your quarterback, that's interesting. I think he's awesome, a ton of fun to watch, but he's got a long way to go throwing the ball, so you need to give him weapons to help that development. Maybe he can get there one day. A.J. Brown... And he's a dog. I like it. Yeah, A.J. Brown's my highest-rated receiver in this draft for what it's worth. I love everything about him. Um, next pick with the Texans. I went Eric McCoy in this pick. Interesting. I don't have too much behind Eric McCoy besides I've watched a little tape of him at Texas A&M. He's a big boy, and I think he's got a tremendous upside. you got to bring in somebody like this. You have to bring in somebody to protect, Lamar, uh, to protect Deshaun Watson. That line was terrible last year. This is a team that also might move up and try to make noise for an Andre Dillard or somebody like that. 
So keep an eye on them because Eric McCoy may not be a sexy name, but I think he could still be a solid, probably right tackle in the NFL. Yeah, our iteration of this draft does not bode well for the Texans because we valued offensive linemen pretty highly in this, and I'm imagining they're hoping somebody like Cody Ford or Dillard or Dalton Reisner slips to them. Eric McCoy, you got him graded a little high. I don't, I didn't watch a ton of film on him. I think maybe a, a couple minutes, if that. So I don't have much to say here. They definitely need the help there, but they might want to move up if this is the the prospect that they're looking at. I would probably rather take a Rashawn Gary there um, and and risk a second round pick than reach on a lineman. But I get why you did it. Um, at 24, I was back on the clock with the Oakland Raiders. First pick, I took Josh Allen, and Rashawn Gary falls to 24. You take him. Um, now there's even more question marks than when we performed this draft. The Wonderlic score came out, and he got a nine. A nine, which I'm pretty sure a stalk of broccoli would get like an eight and a half. Um, he got a nine. Uh, there's a lingering shoulder injury. There's the questions about production disappearing in games, disappearing against better competition. I he's he's a Michigan man. I do not do not want to sound like I'm talking shit about Rashawn Gary, um, but I'm if I'm a GM after watching this much tape on Rashawn Gary, I'm not taking him with a top 15 pick. But here at 24, it's good value, and he still has tremendous upside. Exactly. Like, um, he's still a great player. I think we played out of position. You pair him up next to Mo Hurst in the middle, it's everything we've been calling for for years there. And uh, his one leg score is terrible, um, which, you know, brings me to an interesting tangent. Morris Claiborne out of LSU scored a four on the Wonder Lick. Um, that's just amazing. Frank Gore scored a six. Didn't matter. He's one of the ten, five most productive running backs in NFL history. Kelvin Benjamin, a 7. Tavon Austin, Jarrell Pryor, a 7. Here's one that really stands out to me uh, at 8. Maybe the best linebacker in football outside of Khalil Mack. Bobby Wagner only scored an 8. Wow. And he is incredible at, in Seattle. So I, I don't think it's that alarming, especially yeah. playing on the defensive line. It's just people like, you know, it gets it's paralysis by analysis at this point. Rashawn Gary's fine, but it's still fun to poke fun at it. Yeah, no, I don't even know what it means. It just... That's a stat that came out. So <laughs> I, I took a one. I took a wonder lick when I worked at a bank at one time. Hmm. And thirty-eight. Well, there we have it. And I, 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 for example, like you have like tw- I think it's like twelve minutes to take fifty questions. Some of the questions are very hard, but then some of them are like pick the largest triangle. So like you're, <laughs> I, I feel like you can almost close your eyes to like a fifteen. So like once after that, you know, it gets a little tricky. Like Blaine Gabbard, I think, got a perfect score, and. uh I mean, yeah, his career hasn't really been set on fire. Right. Or actually, it is on fire. It's ashes now. Cool. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, moving on to the Eagles, I went with my highest-graded safety, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida. I thought he was outstanding. There's actually some sneaky good safeties and secondary yeah, players in this draft. Definitely. But uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson would be a good fit in Philly. Uh, Howie Roseman, you never know what he's going to do on draft day. He's an extremely smart GM, very heavy in analytics. So watch out for the Eagles moving around. I like it. Uh, pick 26, I have the Colts, um, whoever their GM is. I know his name. Why is that? Chris Ballard. There you go. Ballard uh, knocked it out of the park last year. Um, and if, two first-team All-Pros as rookies. Unreal, yeah. And, uh, I mean, his his second-round pick was Leonard Floyd? Or not Leonard Floyd, uh, the, the linebacker. Third-round pick, I think. Yeah, I think it was third. Uh, um, oh, his name's gone blank. In my I mind. know, I know. He, he's got a very generic name. Darius Leonard. There you go. Yeah, not a guy I was looking at, but he nailed on that. And here, um, DeAndre Baker's fallen to 26. He's my highest-rated corner. 
Um, I don't think he'll far, fall this far. I don't know how other teams view some of these corners. I will say that in watching them, it was tough for me to tell him and like Byron Murphy and Rakya Sin apart. Um, and I just like DeAndre Baker because he's gone against some better competition and he's like plays like Jordan Lewis. So here, uh, the Colts, I think that's pretty good value to get the number one rated corner. My number one rated corner, 26. Let's just, let's just hope he doesn't play like Jordan Lewis in the NFL. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not too late for JD. Give my boy time. I hope, man. I hope. Uh, 27 for me. Uh, back to the Raiders. Now, this is how they can really knock this draft out of the park. If you give them Josh Allen or Sean Gary, and then you address the secondary. You go with um, arguably the best safety in the draft, Nazir Adderley out of Delaware. Just watch the tape. The kid's incredible. Love the pick. We talked about the tape a bunch when we did the video. RIP to that video. Some footage that just really would have changed the way people view drafts, but love the pick. And, and view our faces. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we may have lost a lot of listeners. who are like, oh, that's what they look like? <laughs> <laughs> All right, at 28, this is uh, the Detroit Lions traded way, way back. Uh, looking at how far I traded back and what the New England gave up, if I were to redo this, I would have asked for more um, for the, from the Lions, or uh, of the Chargers, excuse me. Um, but in this, I moved back and I grabbed Noah Fant, who I have pretty far be below TJ Hawkinson, and I actually like Irv Smith Jr. a little better, um, but I think Noah Fant comes in and gives you a better receiving threat. Matthew Stafford had an awful year last year, but he's not an awful quarterback. I mean, just look at the passing numbers when he has weapons. Granted, he had the greatest weapon a human could create in a laboratory with Calvin Johnson. Uh, but Noah Fan is big, big catch radius. He gets open. He'll help you a little bit in blocking. He's no TJ Hawkinson. Um, but the Detroit Lions get better with this pick, and you pick up some second-round picks. Now you can address cornerback. You can go get a, uh, you know, like a Rocky Asin. Uh, you can look at Chase Winovich at defensive end now. Um, and you have a couple picks to move around. So Noah Fant and a couple other guys. Not bad haul for the Lions. No, maybe some Ebron skeletons hang around here to chase him away from tight end. I can that see thing, that. That could happen, but no. Zach Fant's an outstanding linebacker. Clearly, the, uh, not linebacker, tight end. Clearly the second best tight end in this draft behind his own teammate. Uh, no, good pick for the Lions to win for Stafford. Um, next pick, 29, now belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. Chiefs brought in Frank Clark. Originally, I had uh, Christian Wilkins going there, but now the Seattle Seahawks at 29 are taking Chase motherfucking Winovich <laughs> at 29. You don't want to be a homer. I think he's a knock-out-of-the-park type of player in the NFL. You put him on that defense with people like Bobby Wagner, no. Great things are going to happen. They need him there. They need to replace the pass rush, losing Frank Clark. Michigan man for Michigan man, except this is at the highest level of Michigan men. Chase Winovich of Seattle. What a pick. I love it. Uh, the fact of the matter is he's not going below the second uh, Seahawks have done some weird stuff before. Last year, they went and got, uh, what's his name, running back. Rashad Penny in yeah, the first round. In the first round. They've done some strange stuff in the past, and they value when they value a guy, they go get that guy. They don't care what other people say about it. So why not? Um, yep. And, yeah, you address a position in need, you get rid of Frank Clark, and you get Chase, as you said, motherfucking Winovich. Uh, love the addition for the Seahawks. I hope it happens. First round a sneak. Actually, his full name, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen the birth certificate. So. <laughs> uh, pick 30, the Green Bay Packers. Again, I took Irv Smith Jr. I added DK Metcalf and Irv Smith Jr. I went all in. Uh, sometimes I like it when, you do, when you've got two picks like that and you double up on something. 
uh, and, and say you hit on both. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when the Giants had um, Michael Michael Strahan, and then who did they add that year? JPP, that Super Bowl run. They just JPP, like they added they like had, a, they were loaded. They were loaded uh, at pass rusher, and everyone was like, "Well, why are you doing that?" But I mean, when you're that deep at a position, and they just can't counter you. Uh, Green Bay could load up on weapons in this and it would change the outlook of their offense. All of a sudden, Green Bay is the most explosive offense in the game, uh, right up there with Kansas City. Um, and then you still got a bunch of picks to address the defense. So Green Bay gets Irv Smith and DK Metcalf. It's a lot of juice. That's a lot of juice. And Aaron Rodgers will be thanking you. Hopefully he has a uh, coach he can get along with for once. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we, we always have hope for the impossible here on Out of the Blue. Um, I was looking at that Giants uh, D... Uh, Front four, I was trying to find him on here. I couldn't find him quick enough. Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Tuck. There it is. Michael uh, the, the, sorry, this, is the, this, this is the 2011 team, not the 20, uh, 2007 one. But just I mean, continued the same theme. JPP got older. They brought in Justin Tuck. But, uh, yeah. yeah, man, you load up there. It's great. They need the talent. Reminds me if they went obscure here. I've seen Hollywood Brown thrown around a lot. Um, too small for my taste. Don't feel safe drafting a 160-pound receiver in the first round. Um, but brings me to pick 31. The Rams need somebody that could uh, minimize that loss they have. They suffered. They lost Cooper Cup. I mean, that really hurt their offense. I mean, really just devastated them. I think you can find value in a lot of places. There are certain receivers here. All of them have flaws. But I like Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. He's a big body, 6'6". Uh, has some hand issues, like not the best pure catcher, but didn't have the best pure passer throwing him the football either. Um, so I think this will help him a lot. A huge wingspan, playing in a Sean McVay offense, there are going to be a lot of open windows to catch the ball. I think he's a great red zone threat. I think it's a good pick for them and really just takes that offense even further. Yeah, I like him more than DK Metcalf. I just couldn't ignore the million scouting reports that said DK Metcalf was the best receiver. Uh, I personally like Hakeem Butler and A.J. Brown more, so I like the pick. Um, at 32, this was Atlanta Falcons, who moved back with New England. Like I said, I don't think this will ha happen. More likely New England's picking here, or they do move up, but they move up and get somebody like Brian Burns because they realize he's the greatest pass rusher ever, and no one else realized it. Um, but here, Dexter Lawrence, tremendous value. He's rising. I don't think he'll fall this far. Um, I could see a run on defensive linemen. Um, it's, it's very difficult to say because once a draft gets going, the complexity of the draft kind of alters just the way that it turns out. So it changes upon itself. As people start to take wide receivers, then other people will react. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the way our spring game went. It, it was very reactionary. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, all in all, I'm not too mad with this draft. I think it, it went pretty well. No, very, very solid draft. And I like the point you made. Everything can snowball after everything snowballs after each pick. Everything snowballs after each trade. I mean, it's, I think this has the potential to be one of the most wild drafts we've seen in recent memory, with uh, several deficiencies in a lot of positional groups, such as running back, quarterback, things like that. Receivers not great. Um, lines are pretty deep, but there's going to be a lot of movement in this one, and it'll be really fun to watch. But yeah. some of us have, you know, won't be able to watch it live because we'll be seeing the Avengers. And with that, without a doubt, the best possible transition, we are going to talk a little bit about Avengers, the end of a 12-year culmination of storylines and movies. And we're going to kind of compare that to a really good point to look at Michigan history and where we're at now 12 years ago, which was the end of the 2006 season, 
uh, which we all remember well, unless you're, you know, under the age of 21. Uh, and then that kind of takes us back to phase one, which was the start of Iron Man. So we're going to touch on that right after this. All right, and we are back. We're going to finish up here with a pretty unique uh, entertainment segment, although I would have to say all of our entertainment segments certainly have no basis in anything rational. Uh, this one here, though, is based on this Thursday, Avengers Endgame comes out. The, what has to be the greatest culmination of literary and filmmaking storytelling over time um, in history. I mean, there's certainly been better stories told, but not over this length of time and this length of de and this much detail. And uh, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get the uh, the finale on Thursday. You'll be there to see it. Oh yeah, I will be stiff arming young children out of the way for this one. Old women, it doesn't matter, absolutely. Uh, and I can't blame you for that. I'm pretty excited about it as well. Uh, so let's talk some predictions here. It's been 12 years of building, starting with Iron Man uh, and starting as far as Michigan with the uh, the end of the Lloyd Carr era, which was that 2007 season. That's where things kind of started to come off the rails. That's the, man, the last, uh, the last home game I went to before I joined the Navy and then I took a, a nice little break Appalachian State loss, Oregon loss that year. Um, end up winning against Florida. You send Lloyd Carr out of Victor, but he was done at that point. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. Phase one for Marvel. What are some of the hits? What are some of the misses? And then uh, that phase one of 2007 and early Rich Rod. What are some of the hits? What are some of the misses? Some of your best memories? Um, best memories um, from the Michigan perspective of things is one, sending Lloyd Carr out with a win and sending Tim Tebow home with his only bowl loss. He's arguably the greatest college football player of all time. That's for another podcast. And another positive in the Rich Rod era was bringing in Denard Robinson, which helped spark one of the most enjoyable and entertaining stretches in Michigan history. I mean, just a great time. You already mentioned the worst negatives of it, but those two highs thing make up for a lot. What were yours? Uh, I, I love all those picks. You're absolutely right. As far as the Michigan point of view, um, you know, Lloyd Carr did go out with that Tim Tebow win. At the time, it kind of felt hollow. That was a win that you appreciated more when you kind of saw the accolades that that Florida team was able to achieve and how good of a team it was that we were able to beat. And we had a ton of talent. Um, and that was, a, that was definitely a highlight. Um, as far as the actual Denard Robinson and Rich Rod era, uh, I believe at the time he set the NCAA record for offense in a game against Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I think Devin Gardner broke it. Yeah, and then Devin Gardner broke it, yeah, in the same era. Um, so I remember offensive explosion, which is kind of what was promised. Not against the great teams uh, or even the good teams, but against lesser teams. That offense was a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching Jeremy Gallon, you know, go for 500 yards receiving. Uh, it was outlandish, but I enjoyed going uh, into four overtimes with Illinois uh, to some degree. But I was always a defensive guy. I will always be a defensive guy. That was an interesting era. It kind of, you know, there was a nice changeup. I loved Denard Robinson, one of my all-time favorite players. Um, and he would be my favorite moment, just him as a person and what he brought to the program and the excitement. That's my number one memory of phase one there. I like it. My end of that 07 season, uh, it's, it's, I guess that one could trump it. Just I, I just vividly remember the Adrian Arrington over-the-shoulder one-handed catch, and it's also the last time Michigan beat Urban Meyer, and they won't have a chance to do it again. Huh. So 
Wow, you gotta you gotta just bring that up, do you? <laughs> that one sticks out. But uh, to Marvel's Phase One, um, some some choices. I wouldn't say solid, but it was Iron Man One, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor, Captain America: The First Avenger, and Marvel's The Avengers. I think my favorite of this choice is Iron Man One. It's just incredible. Really started everything off. Without this one, it couldn't hold it. Robert Downey Jr. make is he makes this engine go. And it was his comeback year with this and Tropic Thunder, for which he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, incredible movie. Low point has to be Iron Man 2, possibly, which is very terrible and features Mickey Rourke playing a Russian physicist. Is that so, Phase 1 or Phase 2, though? That's Phase 1. That's technically all, Phase 1? All the ones I just named are Phase 1. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought Iron Man 2 was Phase 2. Uh, then you're absolutely correct. The best moment of the Marvel Phase 1 would be Iron Man 1. Uh, Avengers would be number two, and it's a close second because Avengers, yeah. they really knocked out of the park. Um, I was a little concerned with how you were going to blend all that together, but uh, it, it was really well executed. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's good for the family. Like, it's just, it's good popcorn fun, man. Like, just turn your brain off and go watch Avengers. I've probably seen it a dozen times. Um, but Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. is probably one of my favorite living actors. That brought him back to us after the uh, unfortunate period of cocaine and hookers, which we all go through. Um, happens to the best of us. It gets the best of, of most of us. I get it. Uh, Joe Biden had a hell of a 2009, um, and it, and it brought him back to us, and he's never been better, and we owe we owe Iron Man for that. So, good call. Yeah. So, uh, phase one actually wrapped up in 2012. I'm going to touch on any Michigan moments post-Rich Rod into early Brady Hoke. 2012. Uh, well, I think for our purposes, we should say fa our phase two is a little different. Our phase two is Brady Hoke. I mean, that's a pretty clear change in direction for us. Um, the end of the Rich Rod era was pretty unceremonious. I was ready for him to go. I wanted defense to be brought back. Greg Williams is a name that I haven't mentioned since like 2008. Um, I hope that man, and it's not the Greg Williams you're thinking of. It's the Greg Williams that we had, who has to be the worst defensive coordinator on the planet. Uh, just stick a bunch of broomsticks into the ground, 11 of them would do, and they'd be better Close than Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson, excuse me. Greg Robinson, yeah, not Greg Williams. former Syracuse head coach. Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, I'm glad I forgot his last name. I'm happy I messed his name up. Do you remember the score of Rich Rod's last game he coached? No, I don't want to know, but t I do want to know. Tell me immediately. 52-14. Uh, <laughs> In the Gator Bowl of Mississippi That's State. That's right. I remember after the bowl, yeah, I was done. It wasn't even that I was clamoring. It's just that my soul had left my body and I didn't care anymore. Yeah, I'm a ginger, so I was born without one. But yeah, I can, no, no I doubt. But uh, but then Brady Hoke was hired. Not necessarily anyone's first choice. We all kind of talked ourselves into that hire, I feel like, though. Uh, what were your feelings early on in the Brady Hoke era? Did you like the hire? It, it, I wanted to like be like um, pretentious and poetic. So I'd be like, Brady who? Because when Bo Schimbeckler was hired, the famous headline was, Bo who? So I was like, oh, it's going to be this guy. And uh, some people from the outside, because I think I was a little too close, were saying, no, this isn't the move. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. And then Michigan goes 11-2 and and beats Ohio State, and I seem prophetic for a year. Yeah, and that was wonderful. That was probably the high point of our 12-year Marvel, you know, as far as this expands, that 11-2 season, because we beat Ohio State. And that yep. was his first year. 
playing with a lot of Rich Rod guys, but still some Lloyd Carr guys. Uh, the Lloyd Carr guys are probably the reason we were able to win that. We don't win it without Mike Martin and David Mulk anchoring both lines. I can tell you that right here and now. Um, I wish I remembered the roster a little better because there were some other Lloyd Carr holdouts on that defense um, and on that offense. Uh, but there was just the right amount of speed on offense and competence on defense that Greg Madison was able to bring to really bring us a good season. While it wasn't a great team, all in all, I don't know how we beat Virginia Tech in that bowl game. Um, we shouldn't have. It's basically no. Junior Hemingway made two plays and won the game. Yeah, it was a very bizarre game. It's one you're watching like, how is this happening? Yeah. How? I don't know how we did it, but we beat Ohio State in their down year. So, I mean, it even... <laughs> Even in that year, it kind of loses some of its luster, and it was still a pretty good game. Um, do you remember who had the interception that sealed that Ohio State win? Oh, uh, is it Avery? Man, I think you might be right. I've watched it so many times, but the name has slipped my mind. Oh, I'm gonna oh, just yeah, yeah. You 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 bring you that up. Luster, I gotta you, get this. Yeah, you bring that up, but. Uh, and then after that, after that, uh, things really started to decline, but my confidence really remained high. The year after that, we're like, well, we're losing a lot of guys. You know, Brady's bringing in his guys, so it was easy to kind of buy in and, and like what he was building. Um, Greg Madison was there. Greg Madison was one of my favorite, favorite coaches of all time at the time, but uh, things went downhill quickly, and he got worse every single season, and phase oh, two change. really petered out. How things change with Greg, uh, Greg Madison. Oh man, yeah. No, at the time, I want—I literally begged for statues to be built outside in his honor. Glad they weren't built. Courtney Avery picked it off the Ohio State forty-nine. Nice call, Courtney Avery won that game. I mean, we had pretty much already won it, but they were driving with a chance to win it. Is Braxton Miller still a human being? What's he do now? Does he work for State Farm? Uh, no, he owns a couple of car washes down near Baton Rouge. I know he doesn't own, you know, like he's not the North America, uh, Northeastern king of trampoline business like Ty Law is. No, 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 no. That's Ty Law, sir. You show some respect. You want yeah, a, you want a trampoline, and you're somewhere in the upper Northwest, anywhere from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin. You call Ty Law. You call Ty Law. He'll take care of you. And <laughs> his word is law. His word <laughs> is law. But uh, yeah, man, what are some of your your thoughts on uh, on Phase Two, Michigan wise? I mean, we cl quickly soured on Brady Hoke, obviously. Yeah, we soured on him because he went from 11-2 and two to 5-7 and seven and barely fielded a team that was, you know, serviceable for a middling Division three team. It got ugly really fast. Players weren't developing. They were getting worse. Um, it really showed that he didn't have an offensive plan. It was all just stuff from Rodriguez he was barring. He was surrounded by a lot of yes-men there. He didn't wear a headset. Um, who scores higher in the Wonder League? Brady Hoke, um, a rock, or Rashawn Gary? <laughs> That was mean. <laughs> um, I gotta go with the Rock here, Tom. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, look, I'm sure Brady Ho could do fine on the Wonderlick test, but at the same time, um, it was easy to pick apart the things like the no headset as the results got worse. And on defense, they were still putting out a quality product until the last year. Uh, but on offense, not only did they not figure out how to put out an offensive line, they got worse. Um, and they put quarterbacks in bad situations. They wasted a lot of talent of Devin Gardner. And, like, who knows what Kyle Kalis could have been, you know, if he went to a place that actually knew how to coach, if he went to Ed Wariner. So yeah. um, he, he just wasn't ready for it. I don't think that he has it in him to be a head coach. 
Um, I think it was one of the biggest reaches ever now when you look back at it, but uh, that's Dave Brandon for you. Um, you know, I don't really know who else, I don't even remember who else we were looking at at the time, um, but I know Brady Hoke wasn't my first choice. No, Brady Hoke was nobody's first choice, but we talked ourselves into him, like we talked ourselves into some of these Marvel movies in Phase 2. Um, some really good ones, some iffy ones, but nothing that's like maybe completely trash. There's some definitely some cult status with some of these, at least some groups that are a little nuts. Um, Iron Man 3, which I'm not super big on, just because there's a big focus on Pepper Potts, and I think Gwyneth Paltrow is just uh, repulsive. Um, as a human being, as not a by human. Oh, yeah, physically. Very attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to your core, you're just not a good person. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Thor the Dark World, which has like a big like subgroup of devoted fans. I'm not what? one of them. No, that's yeah. one of my least favorite ones. I will not rewatch it. Yeah, a lot of them like it. Um, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which is my seniorly favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. Rewatching this weekend. It is espionage. It's great. Yeah, no, that's that one kind of changed my opinion on the superhero movie because they were getting a little generic there, but then you make a spy thriller uh, and you just put a superhero into that world. And I was like, oh, well, this kind of changes the game. You could do a lot. You could do a comedy. You could do a space epic. And then all of a yep. sudden... You know, you yep. start to see the, these different iterations of, of superhero movies. It's in my yep. top two. I don't know if it's my favorite uh, or if it's Thor Ragnarok, but... Yeah, it's my top two and it's not two. Um, <laughs> two well, 2014 changed the game for the MCU more than any other year. And it's interesting because it kind of did the same to Michigan, but we'll get there. Um, 2014 introduced the Russo brothers because they did, they did Winter Soldier, who went on to do Civil War... Uh, Infinity War, and now they're doing Endgame. So, I mean, fingerprints all over it now. And also in 2014, we got Guardians of the Galaxy, which expanded the entire universe into space, introduced us to new characters, and you touched on going into spy thrillers and comedies. Arguably the best comedy up until Ragnarok. There's a case for either one, but Guardians holds up, man. It is fantastic. Yeah, they, uh, they really nailed the cast, first and foremost. Love the casting in that. Uh, Dave Bautista as Drax. No one saw that coming. It's wonderful. Um, Vin Diesel as a tree. As a freaking tree. He's making a great deal of money for saying a line. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I love it. That's in my top probably five. Um, and just, yeah, like, like you said, man, I mean, they really started to expand here. They threw the comedy out there. Guardians holds up really, really well. Um and by branching it out into space, they really opened up the possibilities, and I think that that's going to really help them as they move forward into their next phase, too. So it was, it was critical to do that, and I became interested again because I'm a sci-fi geek. Yeah, dude, understandably. Um, the next two, um, Avengers Age of Ultron, didn't age well for me at all. I did love James Spader's voice because I like James Spader. And his but, voice. Uh, Movie on its whole made Vision to seem like the ultimate badass, and as we found out in Infinity War, spoiler alert, he's not. <laughs> um, and 2015 ended with uh, one of my sneaky favorites, uh, Ant-Man, uh, a really small film. It's just about a heist. That's all it is, and yeah. it's great. Michael Douglas is ruggedly handsome, and Paul Rudd made the seamless transition into superhero dumb. So really enjoyed Ant-Man. Yeah, Vision is definitely a, a five star. Comes into a program with a ton of hype and then performs like a like a two star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's hot garbage. Um, I mean, Captain Marvel was in the vicinity of a, 
of an Infinity Stone, and all of a sudden she's the most powerful creature that's ever existed. This guy is an Infinity Stone, and he gets punked by a guy with a knife. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, what is that? It doesn't, like, it, he shot freaking lasers out of his freaking head and just forgot how to do that? Like, <laughs> come yeah. on, Paul Bettany, you owe me better than this. You're getting sushi after banging Scarlet Witch together, and now you just want to, you can't do anything else? That's, like, I don't understand it. That's all he's got. I mean, I loved his voice, but I think he was better as Jarvis. But yeah, 2014 was great. Love your quote about Ant-Man, and like we were saying, they were they just found ways to be like, oh, we can do a Western but it's a, a superhero movie. We can do a heist movie, but it's a superhero movie. And that, that got me interested again. Um, so, I, so I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, uh, Brady Hoke was fired. Brady Hoke was fired. Do you remember where you were when Brady Hoke was fired? Uh, at work. Just following along on Twitter. Knew that it was probably going to happen in some stretch of days. I knew there was like protests going on outside of... Dave Brandon's office. I mean, that was earlier in the season due to the concussion stuff with Shane Morris. Um, but it was pretty clear the writing was on the wall then. So I knew it was coming. So I was just at work watching Twitter, knowing season was over and it was coming any moment. Uh, I was on cloud nine. So that's about where I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just, everyone knew it was coming. Uh, it was a, the appropriate move. No ill will towards Brady Hoke. Seems like a nice guy. I feel like I'd love to like, Find Brady Hoke at a Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, and just split a Jack Daddy burger and just, you know, shoot the shit. Pond fishing. Uh, pond fishing. Yeah. yeah, very good pond fisher. I want to take him deep sea because we're kind of nah, stuck together. He's not a deep sea guy. That's Don Brown. Yeah, that's, that's definitely Don Brown. So, no, not feeling him there. And then um, Jim Harbaugh gets introduced. And I think Michigan fans globally were just elated. Absolutely. He's the guy we wanted. There's no question about it. I didn't really, I mean, I was looking at other options just because he was looking at other options and there was the chance we didn't get him, but this was our guy all the way. No question about it. Couldn't have been more on board with the hire. Yeah, it was perfect at the time. We're still not off of it quite yet, but I think his first year was the only year that it ended just in a great way. I mean, not just because of the bowl win. I mean, like I said, because of the bowl win, actually. The Ohio State game was obviously a disappointment. I was there. It was just an Ezekiel Elliott showcase game. Um, but then you go to the bowl game, and Jake Rudock, in a year that had tapered expectations, uh, just balls out against this Florida team that was supposed to be good. And Michigan just blows them out of the water in the Citrus Bowl. Michigan finishes 10-3, and and Rudock rewrites the record books in Michigan. Yeah, that was the moment that I was like, look the F out. I mean, you heard what Harbaugh was saying after that. After that bull win, he said, next year we go for the whole thing. That's what we were thinking. We're like, it's going to be year two. He's got the team to do it. Year two, he comes in 2016, and that team, I mean, they were dominant. They were dominant. They were a ton of fun to watch. Go back and rewatch that season. You'll have a ton of fun doing it. Um, and Harbaugh... A big part of the reason we were on board was that he was building these guys from the bottom up, whereas as Brady Hoke was trying to, I don't really know what he was trying to do, but Harbaugh was reprogramming, that, reprogramming them to be able to play a whole game, a whole season, to gut it out, to dig deep, you know, get more out of his players, and then they fell apart at the end of 2016, and questions were raised. But at the same time, that was our best game against Ohio State, and we're literally an inch away from changing this whole narrative. So yeah, it's, yeah, we're it's a Wilt tough. Spate shoulder injury away from being undefeated. Yeah, so it's, it's very tough to look back on 2016 and say we failed when that was the closest we came. Yeah, 
I mean, there's just a ton of good memories from 2016, from the Jordan Lewis Wisconsin interception cool. to uh, to even the play was called back to Peppers' return against Rutgers, where he like ducked under a guy flipping over his shoulders. Like there was just so many good moments that season, man. Uh, Darbo Chesson catching deep balls. Uh, it was a good year for not having a very good offensive line, not being able to run the ball that well. That defense was just amazing to watch. Yeah, one of my all-time favorite defenses. I mean, we could look back on that defense. You've got Mo Hurst, Ryan Glasgow, Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley, Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush is on that team, Kalik Hudson's on that team. I mean, that, that team, when you look at it later on, you might just be like, how did they have all these people? Yeah, that's exactly the kind of team it was. I mean, they were just all over the field. Um, man. Was yeah. that, uh, that was, that, was that Don Brown's first year or? Uh, no. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah because we only had Durkin for one. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I was, I was saying, you know, stick up for my boy Peppers, third D coordinator in three years, just saying. <laughs> um, uh, but let's go, I mean, those are the good memories of that time. Do we really need to touch on the bad? They still seem kind of like well, fresh. Since we're technically still in phase three, uh, I think it's important to touch on where we are now. We all know how last season ended. Um, you and I are still on board for this season uh, with borderline optimism, cautious optimism, 100%. Um, but it's in a position where things could change quickly, but at the same time, I don't see a big drop-off in the future. I don't see some massive, we just fall off a cliff happening in the future either. I don't either because of the recruiting has been... The recruiting and talent evaluating has been good. Everybody laughed when he like, recruited Ronnie Bell, and they look pretty stupid now because Ronnie Bell is a baller. And this class coming in this year is outstanding. Um, the quarterback room is already in great shape. And Harbaugh's continuing to make moves that speak towards he's very self-aware of this program. And we're in the end game now for Jim Harbaugh. And – Nice. We have to we have, thank you, thank you. We have to conquer Ohio State or Thanos, if you will. That's been the team. They've just dominated, dominated, and dominated, and this is it. So Harbaugh's in game is Josh Gaddis, turning over the offense, complete autonomy. I'm getting out of the way, and this is what he's going with. So this is and, his Captain Marvel. You're adding Captain Marvel to the squad. Is that your? Is that how you're tying this all together? As long as Josh Gaddis is a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would hope so. Captain Marvel is not good. Yeah, so besides that, yeah, this is it. I mean, this is the big one. He's turned over the offense, unleashed the reins, the governor's off the engine, no matter which way you look at it. This is it. If it can't get done here, if not now, then when? This was the last, this was technically the last missing piece from a schematic standpoint you could add. So this is, this is the end game. I, I actually like the comparison. I mean, you've assembled your team. This, these are all your guys now. Everybody that you've got there is your guy now. Uh, from quarterback on down, I mean, yeah, there's some transfers in there, but they're guys that you've looked and, and brought into the program. Um, and if any mistakes on the roster, I mean, outside of injuries, any, any player that's you know not fit to be on that field and, and can't stand up against Ohio State, well, that's on you now. And, yeah, I mean, I would have to say that Ohio State has been their Thanos. I would argue that Alabama and Clemson are maybe the Thanos of college football. And then Ohio of college football, but not of Michigan. And, and Ohio State's more like uh, an Ultron or something. I don't know. But they're, they're, 
they're annoying as shit. I don't know. Who's the lamest villain you can think of? Isn't there somebody that's like the condiment man from the ba- the DC universe? Probably. How was Howard the Duck a villain? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but but you're absolutely right, though. They keep beating us, so we can talk about as much shit as we want about how much we dislike them. Until we find a way past them, I mean, we're not getting out of this phase, or maybe we have to, to reboot and start a new phase with a new coach. So that's yep. where it is. I mean, this, this phase is ongoing until we beat Ohio State or we move on from Jim Harbaugh. So that's kind of yep. where we're at right now. This phase isn't over yet. Marvel ends on Thursday. Marvel ends Thursday, and I'm just going to read off the phase three films, and we can touch on the key ones that you want to. Um, beginning in 2016, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and now Endgame. That is a run. That's loaded. I didn't realize. I thought Phase 2 was the stronger phase. That is loaded. Yeah, man. That's a run. Sneaky Spider-Man comeback. Uh, I was really fine with the Guardians sequel. Um, Civil War transitions really well. Ragnarok reinvents Thor. Black Panther is out. It's fine film. Um, Infinity War was good. Ant-Man and the Wasp is fine. Captain Marvel's kind of bleh. Doctor Strange was fu- like was good. Like there's just Captain Marvel is the weakest I believe of the entire bunch. But everything in there I think is watchable. Yeah, I'm not big on Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. To me, isn't my favorite. Although the visuals were great. I uh, just felt a little phoned in on the dialogue and character development. But Thor Ragnarok stands out. Uh, that's my favorite Marvel movie. It's a space odyssey. You go get Jeff Goldblum in there. You make it a pure comedy. Um, all of a sudden, Chris Hemsworth has been just penned into this very serious, very boring role. And you let him loose, and he's got comedic chops. Uh, Tom Hiddleston has excellent comedic timing. You utilize that. Um, I, I mean, they just they, – they really – we're kind of wasting an opportunity, I think, with that cast. And Taiki Watiti came in and just showed everyone what could be. And yeah. now, I'm, I mean, he got me re-excited because, I mean, make all of them comedies now. I'm into it. If you make a comedy, I'll go see it. I might not see another Captain Marvel or another reboot of Superman, but if there's a movie that's funny, I'll go see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. And Captain America Civil War really did a lot for me. So I like the narrative structure of it. I thought was tailored really well. Like they really weaved oh, yeah. that thing in there. And yeah. that's one on the rewatch. I'm like, damn, that was good. And oh no, that I, hits. Yeah, that one's really good. Infinity War's good for me. I feel like I was so off. I was so overwhelmed by everything in the moment. And I don't know. I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough, but. What stood out to me in Infinity War was Josh Brolin as Thanos. You walk away from that movie like, oh, okay, this is a villain with some backstory. Like, I love Michael Keaton and Spider-Man Homecoming, but just getting mad that some of your buddies aren't getting their pay and they're losing your job to stealing elite, like, supervillain weapons and everything and doing all this is kind of a jump. With Thanos, <laughs> you get the proper introduction, development, and then you kind of walk away like, man, I think Thanos kind of had a point, especially the longer you spend on Twitter. You're like, man, Thanos has a point. Oh, absolutely. I am team Thanos. Snap and get rid of at least half the people. That's honestly not enough. We got 9 billion people. We got 12 years left to live before we start fighting for resources. Kill 75%, even if I'm among them. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. We'll take those odds. It'll yeah. be uh, just out of the. We'll just lose like one word from there. One of us can carry it on. <laughs> 
That's fine. One of us is definitely going to die, but the podcast will go on. The podcast um, will not die. Thanos can't take that away. No, Thanos will not get that. But Civil War, love it. Um, really weaves together some interesting characters, which is more than you expect from a superhero movie. And I appreciate that. Like, you start to care about these relationships and why they're at odds with one another. Um, and then Infinity War, I think, is going to be a movie that looks better after this, this Endgame comes out on Thursday. It's a setup movie, without a doubt. You have to care about why Thanos is doing it to care about this next movie. And I feel like, as a whole, we're going to see something great here. Um, there's just been, there's too much talent involved in this. It's literally everybody that's matters in, in Hollywood is involved in this Avengers movie. It's going to be good. Um, we can just pray, 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 pray that our, our end game is this year and that we get that kind of conclusion and have that year that we hope for, whether it be big 10 championship, uh, whether it be a playoff run, but it definitely starts with that victory over Thanos. That is Ohio state. Or Ultron. Whatever it is. I just don't like giving Ohio State that kind of credit in in anything. 2019. Howard the Duck gets it. (laughs) (laughs) You've all been waiting for it. Yes, you've all been waiting for this. The culmination, 12 years. (laughs) All right. That being said, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, This was a long one, but I'm not mad about it necessarily. Covered a lot of ground. Feels good, man. A lot to cover this week. And plus, we could talk about it. Talk for an hour about anything. That's what I'm saying. When we started out, we were like, yeah, this should be a pretty quick one, man. Not much going on. But then yet here we are. And that's how it goes on Out of the Blue. Yeah, and this doesn't even include like the hour we talk off air before we start. Jesus Christ. My God. I've got a job. I've got finals to do. That's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Like, share, subscribe, however you want to listen to us. At Oblue87, at Andy underscore Bailey1. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, Go blue.